and welcome to Food Network Obsessed, the podcast where we dish on all things Food Network with your favorite Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a boss on the show to talk about how his life changed when he took over his father's bakery at the age of 17 and how reality television skyrocketed the family business into becoming a household name. We also caught up with him about his recent hand injury that nearly threatened his baking future and how he's back and better than ever for a new season of his competition show. He is a baker, reality television royalty, owner of Carlos Bakery, and now back on Food Network in Buddy vs. Duff. It is the cake boss himself, Buddy Velastro. The cake boss himself, buddy, welcome to the podcast. And first things first, we want to know how your hand is doing. Oh, thank God. My hand is actually feeling really good. Getting back to normal, you know, um, it was really a crazy accident. But um, the fact that I was able to complete the season of Buddy vs. Stuff that we just did and the cakes were as good, I feel very confident that I'm probably... 90% back to where I was. That is amazing news. And we're definitely going to talk all about those shows. Um, For fans that don't know, uh, you had a pretty, as you mentioned, terrible accident last year. At one point, you said that you didn't even know if you'd be able to bake again. So we're glad to hear you are on on the road to recovery. How scary was that? It was the most scary thing that's ever happened to me. My hand was impaled and, you know, I had this big metal spike that went through it. My son actually cut me off of the, you know, the machine that I was on with a sawzall. And it was probably until I would say February of this year, I couldn't even really, my my fingers were like curled and I couldn't really squeeze. Like I couldn't bend them or I couldn't do any of this. And then I went for my fifth surgery and that was the surgery where the doctor really released the tendons. And the next day after surgery, man, it was like a new man. Like I felt like I could move. So they did that. And then I had to rebuild muscle and stuff like that. But I wasn't sure up until I had that surgery, my exact capabilities and being a righty and being in the baking percent profession without your hand you're nothing and, and in true buddy form i understand you, you baked them a, a cake as and, well as a as a sign of appreciation always you know i mean honestly that was the least i could do you know dr carlson and and the whole team at hss really if it wasn't for them yeah, i don't know where i would be today I, I really don't and and my my occupational therapist dina would come to my house three four five nights a week and we would just go and go and go and to really get me to where I am today. Well, we are so, so thankful to hear that. And obviously, uh, you and your big, amazing Italian family have been a fixture in reality television, pop culture since Cake Boss aired back in 2009. Um, I, I don't know what was more entertaining, the incredible cakes or the very relatable, you know, family drama. Do you remember when you were first approached about that show? I do. It is crazy. And you know what? To think that it was that long ago, like where it all started, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm getting old now, you know? It, it, <laughs> <laughs> pretty crazy. But I never had any ambitions or, or ideas of being on television. I kind of got into television because I would always be featured in a, in a bridal magazine, which is pretty mm. crazy because now you don't even really, it doesn't even exist, right? It's an industry that doesn't, but you know, if you were getting married in the nineties or the two thousands, the early ones, you went and bought every single bridal magazine. You looked through all the pictures, you picked a wedding cake, you dressed. <laughs> 
this is kind of how it went, you know? So I, it's a big deal. yeah, no, but it was, you know, it was different than today. And I was always as one of the featured bakers in the magazine, you know, I always did amazing cakes and food network started doing baking competitions. So they would always look to, all right, who was in the magazines, right? So I was always there and they would say, Hey, look, do you want to compete? And even when I competed, like I'm going back in 2002, 2004, I could have never, like, wow. I, I never thought like, oh, you know, I, I want to be on TV. I'm going to do this and, and stuff like that. It was more to like grow the business and really any publicity is good publicity for what we were trying to do. And it wasn't until like my third episode where one of the cameramen who filmed me is like, you know, man, it's like you, you need your own television show. I started thinking about it. I was like, my crazy family, the crazy cake. <laughs> And I was like, you know, like I would, I was thinking of my life and laughing. I was like, you know what? It would probably make an entertaining show. Stuff that happened. <laughs> and then in 2008, I got a call one December from TLC who said to me, you know, hey, look, we're, we saw some footage of you and we were thinking of doing a cake show. What do you think? And I said, well, I have a good idea. Just follow me and my family. I said, 100 year old bakery. Crazy big Italian family. Yeah, I'll see what happens. And before you know it, it went on in 2009 and boom, here we are today. <laughs> did you have family members at the time that were, you know, like initially against the idea? No, I didn't. You know what? We were really in it together. We had a big family meeting and I said, look, we just have to be who we are, you know, and, 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 and the truth of the matter is it's funny. I just got back from vacation. I, we were my sister got married in uh, in the Bahamas, so we went, the whole family, my sisters, my nieces, my nephews, like 40 of us. And I am so blessed that we have the relationship that me and my family have. Like, you know, and we're in business together, you know, just to put one other uh, other layer on there. But we love each other. Like, you know, we, we, we still get together. We, we, we want a vacation together. We hang out on a weekend together. You know, when there's a problem, we're there for one another. When we fight, we fight, but nobody stays mad at each other. You know, it's like, I can never, like, sometimes you talk to people like, oh, I haven't spoke to my brother for years. I can never imagine that relationship with my family because it's just not who we are. You know, I really believe that's a testament to my parents of always keeping us close. And, you know, sometimes we'll, uh, the party's always at my house. It's either at my house down the shore or, <laughs> or my house at home. But there's always, you know, like I look around and I see 30 or 40 of us and then like people don't always have this. And, and I really truly feel blessed to have it. What was a, a day of filming like? Back in the old days, filming was very interesting. <laughs> you know, let's rewind to 2009. The first season was not as hard to film. But the minute that the show aired and we were filming the second season, that's when all hell broke loose because now fans were coming from all over the country. I mean, it would be like seven or nine hour lines to get into the bakery. I mean, literally wow. thousands of people would be down the street. We were trying to run a business. We were trying to film a television show, trying not to piss off the fans, trying not to piss off the, the, the original customers. Like it was a balancing act. Like you have no idea. Even just trying to push people through the door in and out, you know, constant throughout the day. Uh, it was like Christmas Eve every single day. The original bakery was tight. I mean, the camera crew and everybody, they were another 15 people. Then we had like 175 employees working 24 hours, seven days a week, three shifts. It was insane. 
Uh, Let's talk about the bakery a little bit more. Carlo's Bakery, founded in 1910 um, by an Italian pastry chef and then purchased by your father in the 60s. It's been in your family ever since. What were some of your first memories at the bakery as a kid? Well, I mean, again, I I remember starting um, my first day with my dad. I was probably 11 or 12 at the time. I got punished. I got in trouble. And and my dad's like, no, you got to (laughs) come to work on a weekend. So I went to work with my dad and um, I was like, oh, you know, what am I going to do? I'm going to make a cake. I'm going to make this. I'm going to make that. And my dad brought me into the bathroom and he said, clean the toilet. And I was like, wow, you know, oh my God. And he goes, why do you think you're too good to do it? And I said, no. And he goes, just because my, you're my son, you're not going to get special treatment. And I didn't realize it then, but I realize it now that he wanted me to understand what it was like to be the person to have to clean the toilet bowl. And he wanted to show the employees that just because I was his son, I wasn't going to get special treatment. And he looked me in the eye and he says, you clean that toilet bowl with the same, like if you were making a wedding cake. And life, son, he said, you got to take the same pride in everything you do. And if you take the same pride in everything you do, you'll be successful no matter what you do. You know, those are life lessons that stuck with me my whole life. And that's kind of how I still live my life. You'd be shocked that I still will get down on my hands and knees and scrub the floors here, you know, present day. You know, I always tell my employees, I'll never ask you to do something that I'm not willing to do, or I'll never ask you to work harder than I have to work. And I think, you know, I was taught with the mantra of leading by example. You know, like my dad would say, if you want the employees to move, you got to move. Like it becomes contagious. If you're rolling on a bench and you're making cookies, they're making cookies. They want to keep the tempo. And, you know, like, you know, that's kind of the way I always worked. Have your kids had to clean the toilet? Yeah, they have. They have. They, they, <laughs> they have. They've learned to scrub the floors and, and do all that. Um, yeah, I'm blessed. I, I got great kids, you know, I can't believe how big they're getting, you know, it, it's kind of funny. And, and that's one beautiful thing about Cake Boss. I kind of have like this whole family history, you know, there's like 300 episodes of me, my family, my kids growing up. I mean, my son Carl yeah. was born on the show and now he's um, 10 years old. It's crazy. Wow. No, it's crazy. I mean, they, they essentially like we watch them grow up on the show. I mean, how how cool is that as a parent to to have this, you know, basically library of, of your of your family and your children's lives as they grow up. It's truly a blessing. It really is a blessing. And um, they love it. You know, it's funny to see them grow into their, you know, who they are, who they're becoming, because my daughter's going off to college this year and my boys are getting older. So it's a it's a lot of fun. Did you have any formal training or was it everything that you just learned with dad in the shop? Yeah, no, all my training was with my dad. The only outside training I had is I did a sugar flower course with a with a wonderful woman by the name of Betty Van Nordstrom, who um, is amazingly talented, who taught some of the best of the best. You know, I wanted to learn how to do the flowers at the time because I was doing a lot of these beautiful wedding cakes. So I asked, who who do I go to? And I called Betty and I went there and we became such good friends. We sat there. We were only supposed to go for like three, four hours. We were, in the, we were there till like midnight talking. <laughs> and yeah, she, she, she's so such a sweet lady. You mentioned your dad and, and spoke very lovingly of him. I know he passed away when you were 17, unfortunately. How important was it for you to carry on his legacy and the and keep the business going in such a meaningful way? You know, it was it was hard. I, I was a kid. I, I think about it. My son's going to be 17 soon. 
So, like, you know, in a couple months, looking at him at his age, thinking that at that time I had to go and I had 30 employees do what I had to do. It was hard. And and my dad was like a legend. Like, everybody loved him. He was great at what he did. He was so respected in the community. He was so loved. So I had these, like, really big shoes to to fill. And and to be honest with you, I know exactly what I was going to do. Like, like, you know, I, I and, and I just kind of went back to the roots and said, what would my dad tell me? And he would say, you got to be the first one in and the last one to leave. You got to be the person who humbles themselves and respect your elders. So like the bakers who knew more, I would tell them, please teach me. And, and I would, you know, be, be humble to them. It took me a couple of years to really hone my craft, but. After probably three or four years, I really felt like I was a master baker at what I can do at my craft. Did you know that you wanted to, you know, take over the family business all along? Or was that something that, you know, you kind of were forced to to decide really quickly at the time? No, I always knew that I was going to go into the family business, you know, from a young age. And it was about 15 when I knew that. I mean, my parents had a great business. I loved it. I was good at it. You know, well, like some guys will pick up a bat and just a natural baseball player. Well, I was a natural Mm -hmm. baker from that age. And it was really the cake decorating that I was good at. And I, I, you know, I remember when I was probably 14 or 15, the cake would get messed up at the bakery, right? They drop it or gets destroyed. (laughs) And I remember my dad saying to my sisters, Oh, drive your brother to the bakery. So you go make the cake or fix the cake. You know, that, and then the weekends would come around. It was like I had to be there. Like like they were depended on me to 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 work and make and I and I loved it and I was good at it. My parents made a good living from it and I said, you know, look, this is what I want to do. What about your kids? Are are any of them in line to follow in dad's footsteps? <laughs> they all say they want to do it, so we'll see what happens, you know. I mean they gotta go to college first. <laughs> it's a little different dynamic what I run now and what they run. If they work hard and you know, I wanna support them. They got in life. I feel like you gotta enjoy what you do. You gotta find something that makes you happy that you're passionate about. Because if you don't, I don't think you're ever gonna be successful. I really attribute my success to loving what I do. It's it's so neat to see because you know it, you see your family and and to hear you talking about them, you can tell that you know what you see on screen is is exactly who you guys are in real life. That said, you know, being in, you kind of alluded to it, being in business with your family can be challenging at times and you have all these different relationships and personalities. How do you navigate all of that with a business and then on top of that, you guys are also celebrities in your own right? Well, listen, honestly, I I mean, we'll start from the end. I, I never felt like a celebrity. I always still feel like a regular guy. And I, I just try to act the way that I always have. You know, I mean, we kind of like what you see is what you get. As far as my kids, and it's all about hard work. And I still work harder than I've ever worked in my life. And I'm just trying to build something that I'm proud of. My father would have been proud of. My mother would have been proud of. My kids are proud of. And, and a legacy, right? I'm trying to build a legacy. I mean, I think you're you're pretty well on your way. I mean, the, the name, the business, it has grown significantly since the show aired. Multiple locations across the country. You've got merchandise. You can order things online. 
So when you're talking about that legacy, what do you see for the future of Carlos Bakery and your family going forward? Well, I think that we're going to continue to grow. We definitely have a lot of good projects in the works. We're launching more bakeries. We uh, got this new vending machine where it's like cake slices. You're gonna be, I'm going to be putting them all over the country, potentially all over the world. We got bakeries in, um, in Brazil and in the United States, and we're doing one in Canada soon. You know, television, I, I, I definitely going to continue to do more television. We just wrapped season three of Buddy Duff, which, which was pretty cool. We got to I'm just keep growing, growing the empire. I mean, that's the, you know, that's, that's kind of what we're trying to do. If a good opportunity is there, why shouldn't we take it or, or try something? Definitely want to talk about Buddy versus Duff. But before we get there, could we just go back for a second to the, the vending machine concept? So you can literally, Get a piece of cake like out of a vending machine, like at the airport or something like exactly. that. Exactly, it's really, really a cool concept because what I did is I, I, I kind of went what I'm going to call the European method, right? In Europe, when you go to like supermarkets and stuff like that, rather than put preservatives in the food, they usually put more emphasis on packaging, right? Mm. So the packaging that we have, we have a thermoforming nitrogen flush machine, so which means. Once we seal that cake slice in there, in the refrigerator, it'll have a 30-day shelf life wow. without any preservatives. That's pretty, pretty cool. cool. So, like, you ever see, like, the way they vacuum pack the steaks and stuff, and you could have it in your refrigerator mm-hmm. for 30? Well, it's kind of the same thing. I don't think it's ever going to sit in there 30 days, but we have a 30-day shelf life. <laughs> no. Let's, this is, this yeah. is so, you, so you know that. But, you know, it's an all-clear, beautiful packaging. Go up to the machine. It's kind of got my voice. It's got a great jingle. You buy your cake slice and boom, you take it to go and you want to eat it right there. You have some fun and you go from there. So it's just an easy way where to your point, an airport, a college campus, you know, a main street where who doesn't just want to once in a while go and grab a slice of cake. That sounds uh, amazing and genius. So um, kudos to you for, for coming up with that. Coming up next, we chat about the new season of Buddy vs. Duff, and Buddy shares his best advice for aspiring pastry chefs. Let's talk about Buddy versus Duff. You've alluded to it a couple of times. This is where you and, of course, Duff Goldman of Charm City Cakes and Ace of Cakes go head-to-head in some very insane, larger-than-life challenges judged by some of the top names in the industry. What did you learn from the first two seasons that you brought back for this season three? My favorite part of the show is over the two years, me, Duff, his team, my team, we've gotten really close. Truth be told, there's a rivalry, but there's not. We we have a great friendship and, and, and a great respect for one another as artists. And I bet you he would tell you that we bring out the best in each other in all work, right? We push each other to the brink. When I had my hand injury, Duff was one of the first people to reach out to me and, you know, checking in and stuff like that. And he was like, you know, you better, you better get better because I'm still going to kick your butt this season, you know? And, <laughs> but he was, he was just there the whole step of the way. Um, you know, and, and the same thing when he had his baby, like I was, because again, I, I've been there and stuff like that. We we have a great relationship. So one thing that I've learned over these two seasons is never underestimate them because they are amazingly talented and they can come up with great stuff. Another thing is, is as hard as you think you have to push yourself, you have to push yourself even harder because you still don't know what the hell they're going to make <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But reflecting back on this season, just, just for me, I... 
am so proud of what we made as a team. Like I look at our cakes and stuff like that. And actually one of the cakes was one of two cakes that I've made in my lifetime that made me cry. And what I mean by made me cry, you step back, you make this cake. And I looked at this cake and I said, man, I just can't believe what the hell we did. Like I was just so in <laughs> awe of, of the cake. And I thought back to my father and I thought back, you know, it's funny because we're talking about like the nostalgic years of me going through it. When I was that 15 year old kid, I couldn't even imagine of making a cake like this. When I said, I'm going to be a baker and, 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 and stuff like that, the mediums didn't even exist to do it. And the fact that we were able to make this cake and make it successful, I just really thought of my dad. And I was like, man, if my dad could see this cake. I'm pretty confident he saw it and uh, was looking down and, and very, very proud of, of what you created and what you've created with uh, the family business. So uh, excited to, to see that unfold. But um, in terms of you know, season one, season two, you've each won a season. So I guess this is kind of the tiebreaker. Are you guys competitive? Like how intense does the competition get? You know, listen, I, I've also been very humbled this year by my hands. I was just happy that I could still make cakes. Never mind when I mean, and I'm being honest, right? Like, 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 yeah. like, you know, of course you want to win, but the fact that I could still make cakes to the level that I you know, once did for me, that was the win enough. Right. And if I win this season, it's a cherry on top. That's kind of the way you got to look at it. You know, there's not a bad rivalry. It's, it's more of a, like two guys like poking fun at each other, like friends. And you know what the funnier part is? We really didn't know each other before the show. I mean, we knew of each other, of course, but sure. we never like got together. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, like, Guy, I know Guy. I've hung out with Guy. I've seen Guy. Bobby, you know what I'm saying? Like, I never really, like, me yeah. and Duff never had to do an event together or we just never really spent time together. It was the first time. So what about now? Do you guys Well, now, yeah, now, the, of the course. We, of course, we're buddies now. <laughs> what about, you know, during, during filming, you know, during these competitions, you know, it's all hands on deck, of course, with you and your team. Do, do you and Ralph ever butt heads on, on which approach to take for the challenge sometimes i mean me and ralph have a great working relationship we're almost like a married couple you know like when you're <laughs> married like we married 20 years you know when to shut up or you know when to speak up right <laughs> so, me and, and anybody who's married gets what i'm talking about but me and ralph we got each other's back we have the utmost respect for one another as human beings as cake artists and, 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 and so on and so forth. Sometimes we bump heads, but for the most part, we speak the same language. My mantra for my business is whatever was good for the business. I could pipe on a cake like it's nobody's business. But for the life of me, when I write happy birthday, I have a bad handwriting. <laughs> I have bad, <laughs> I mean, and, 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 right? So if Ralph has got a better handwriting to me, I will gladly, I'll make the cake look better than he could, but I might pass it over to him and say, all right, Ralph, write happy birthday on it. I do what I think is best for the cake. If it's time where I say, give me the bag or give me the ball, that's what I do. If I, if I give it to Ralph, it's not an ego thing for me. It's about what I've been good at is to look at my team, assess everybody's strengths, and put them in the best position for success. 
And when I mean success, not only for them because they're doing what they love and what they're best at, but what's best for the cake. At the end of the day, the cake comes first. Like, you know, just rolling out. So let's just use an example. If I get a, a cake that's an eight-foot-long Sphinx, and it's going to be covered in, in modeling chocolate, you got to probably cover the thing in 150, 200 pounds of chocolate. It takes a big guy like a Moro to roll out all that chocolate. And then, you know, between me and Ralph and, and Anna and the team, where you don't even notice where the seams are, it, it, it's, 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 those are the little things that amaze me about my team, the way that we all work together and, 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 um, for the greater good of the cake, always. Yeah. Do you guys have any like team rituals that you do to prepare for competition or superstitious things or anything like that? <laughs> you know, nothing superstitious, but our our preparation is really just understand the cake, you know, know what we're going to do, go in it, and everybody stick to the plan and do their job. And again, if we're in the planning stages, you know, if you don't like the idea, you got to say it. I tell people, anybody I hire, I don't hire yes men. I know that I'm talented. I know that I have good vision for cakes. I know I made cakes seven which ways from the, from the sun. I know that the things that I think about on cakes are not normal. Like, how are you going to pick this up? Is it going to fit through a door? Is the opening going to be this way? I, do I need a forklift? I, like, like it's, it's crazy because we've done so many of them. But I'd be the first one to tell you that I still love to learn i'm not the best i value other people's opinion but i want to yes men around me i want people to say oh that looks like crap or you know this needs to get redone or maybe this should go there because i'm not afraid to say it and and it's for the greater good of of a finished piece do you have any like pastries or confections that like are your kryptonite that that you just aside from handwriting as you mentioned that like you just can't can't master um no my my Achilles heel would definitely be handwriting that would be that would be <laughs> penmanship and I think it's because I, I I didn't like school very much so but if you see me like a pen and paper or like draw something you you'd be scared but I've always been able to visualize it and then make it come to life exactly yeah I mean that's that's uh we, we see that every every episode um what do you think is the the secret ingredient or secret sauce to being you know a good baker I think you got to stick to your guns I always believe in quality I always want to put out the best possible product that we possibly can whether it's buying the finest ingredients not taking any shortcuts on methods or or, or mixing and or folding or resting. Like take pizza. The trick to good pizza is letting the dough ferment. It's a three-day process. If you want good pizza dough, you got to wait three days. If you want it in a day, it'll be okay, but it ain't the three-day one. Because the longer it sits there, the more flavor it gets. And, you know, when, when that dough hits that hot stone, poof, you get that, that, that air burst. And, you know, it's that melody of that perfect balance of dough the, enough cheese and sauce where, you know, if it's too much cheese, it gets soggy. And it's got that crisp bite where you get that melody in your mouth. That's what you want. I'm a perfectionist. I like to make things perfect. Now I'm craving, I was craving a cake before, but now <laughs> I'm, I'm craving pizza. Any advice or encouragement for somebody out there listening who, you know, sees what you've done with your career and wants to be a pastry chef or own a bakery or, or get into the business? All right. So I say this to people a lot. Before you go and go to, you know, pay money for like, say, culinary school, I would recommend mm -hmm. going working in a bakery. 
Why? Because I would say, look, I want to make sure that this is what I want to do. You got to work holidays. You got to work weekends. Everything is not glory and everything else. And when you make cakes for fun at home, it's one thing. But when you got to do it every single day, it's a job. Because, I mean, you know, truth be told, it's still a job. So, but once you've said, okay, this is what I want to do. I love it. This is going to be my life. Then I think you go to culinary school. Because what you're going to learn in culinary school is the science of baking. Right, you're not going to learn that on the job. If you want to know how to make a good apple pie, you got to work at Thanksgiving at the bakery and you make five thousand apple pies, and then you can do a <laughs> blindfolded, right? But that's where you learn the bulk work. But the science is where you learn in school. And if you could combine that and 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 believe in yourself and work hard, I mean, look, hard work is is the key. You cannot be afraid to work. But when Buddy Velastro does something, he believes he's going to succeed. No matter what, no matter how big the cake, no matter how, how crazy the obstacle is, you got to believe, you got to work hard, you got to do it from your heart, and you got to never give up. And if you apply that to good recipes and some good schooling, it's the recipe for success. I, I think that's great advice for, for any profession, right? Yeah. To, to work hard and love what you do. And I'm curious, uh, you know, you said that that the people out there, if they're listening, that they need to to really love it because, you know, at the end of the day, it is a job. So what what is it about what you do that, that you love so much? All right. So over the years, and again, I've had this question asked to me, you try to think of how you tick, right? Because everybody ticks different. Mm-hmm. I'm a problem solver. If you come to me and say, all right, buddy, we're going to make 5,000 of these cakes. How are we going to get it done? Well, in my mind, I'm going to map out the lines and think of how many cakes per minute we can do, blah, 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 blah. If my wife says to me, I'm, I'm fighting with my sister, I'll get them, I'll sit them in a room, I'll hear the problems, I'll give them both sides of the coin and fix the problem. If uh, you know, <laughs> My mind works in processing and figuring out solutions. So I'm, I'm a problem solver, and that's what I feel is my greatest attribute. And whether like I'm trying to figure out your, your plans on how to get you know, your next trip, and how you're going to get there and what's going to happen. It's just the way it is. The only problem with that is sometimes you got to turn it off because I'm, my mind <laughs> is always, I'm always thinking of, of, you know, what's this going to be? Or, you know, like the season before Buddy vs. Duff, every drive to work, I'll focus on one cake and I'll process the cake and process the information and, and, and try to figure out, okay, well, maybe it should be this, or maybe it should be slightly left. Or maybe it should be bigger, or maybe we should do it this or that, or you know, and and that's just how I I'm a little obsessive compulsive. <laughs> but if you can hone in your disabilities and use them to your advantages, bingo. That's a smart man. You should put. I think you should have problem solver uh, on on your business card right next to <laughs> to, to to Baker. <laughs> this has been so much fun. We are going to wrap up with a rapid fire round, and then we have one final question we ask everybody on the podcast. So, rapid fire questions. Well, I'm ready. What is the weirdest request for a cake you've ever received? Um, the vampire cake, because the, the guys actually thought they were real vampires. <laughs> That's impressive. Who is the most famous person you've made a cake for? There's been a lot. I mean, yeah, I'm gonna probably say Oprah would probably be okay. would probably be up there. I mean, Rihanna, Miley Cyrus, Britney Spears. You know, you just had Gigi, Gigi had died, recently, Gigi right? Hadid. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just trying to, and by the way, Gigi, the nicest human being. Oh, I love hearing that. Yeah. I think you said, you said that in your, your, your Instagram post as well when she I really did. She was yeah. the nicest. Most popular item at Carlos. The cannoli. 
What music do you listen to while baking? Classic rock. Any any particular uh, artists? Oh, man, I, I love them all. You know, from Zeppelin to, <laughs> to ACDC to, to Bruce, you know, I mean, Queen. I love it all. You know, I, I go to whole span, the Rolling Stones to Bon Jovi, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I, I had a Bon Jovi poster in my in my room growing up. It. So well, he's a Jersey I on boy. that one. Uh, most important appliance in the bakery? I'm going to say mixer. Um, life motto? Work hard, believe in yourself, and never give up. Uh, well, before we let you go, we do have one final question. As I mentioned, we ask all of our guests this on Food Network Obsessed. What would be on the menu for your perfect food day? So we want to know your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner, and of course your dessert. And there are no rules. You can time travel. Right. You can spend however much money. What, whatever Anything you goes. Yep. Anything goes. All right. So breakfast. Oh, man. If I mean, my favorite, if I could have a breakfast of all breakfast, it would be it would be bacon and egg on everything bagel with cheese, salt, pepper, ketchup. Jersey style, baby. Maybe mm-hmm. Taylor Ham. You go to Taylor Ham too. You you say Taylor Ham, not pork. Oh, no, Taylor Ham, man. We're from the north. <laughs> I know. So it's a big debate. I've 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 you learned, learned since yeah, but it's Taylor Ham. Don't let anybody kid you. <laughs> okay, all right. So that's breakfast. Sounds delicious. I'm on board. What's for lunch? Mm, lunch. That would be a toss up between a steak sandwich from uh, Piccolo's in Hoboken or uh, mm. roast beef and mutt. From Furies in Hoboken. Okay. All right. I, I, you can have both. Both. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like I can get both. No yeah. Rules. Let's get both. <laughs> uh, all right. What about dinner? Dinner would definitely be my wife. It would be my wife's cooking. My wife's an amazing chef. You know, she would start with, we'd probably start with um, an oven roasted tomato with roasted garlic. Pasta that she makes is so good. Then she, we would have for appetizers, She'd probably do some, she'd use these like zucchini patties, which are really, really good. And then for, for main course, it would definitely be a, be a bone and veal chopped milanese and her eggplant parmesan with a nice loaf of Italian bread crusty. Wow. Yeah, yeah that, that would, that would be it. And I would definitely, if it's my last, I would definitely have to have some pizza because pizza is my favorite meal on the planet. If, you know, if there was one thing. Pizza would be the one. Agreed. <laughs> For dessert, it would be the lobster tail that we have at the baker. Our lobster tail is is just it's just flaky, crispy, creamy, dreamy deliciousness. You bite into it, you hear, and then that cream is like cold ice cream. It's delicious. Oh my gosh! I need I need to get one of those uh, over here, stat. And um and by the way, you're. The the dinner sounds like a yeah dream. That, come that, over that sounds exactly I mean, yeah. okay I'm That's I'm gonna take you up on that by you the know, way you know my wife she can <laughs> <laughs> I can't lose these thirty well, you're, pounds you're, e- <laughs> you're eating That's well it. over there in the Velastro household uh, it's been such a joy um, talking to you about you know just your life your journey and of course all of the the Food Network shows that we love watching you on thank you so much for taking oh, the time thank you appreciate it have a good day. It is so clear that Buddy is a family man, and I loved hearing about the history of the bakery and his memories with his dad. Even though I'm not a huge sweets person, I have to make my way over to Carlo's Bakery and grab some cannoli very soon. 
Catch more of Buddy on season three of Buddy vs. Duff with new episodes premiering on Food Network Sunday nights at 9, 8 central and streaming on Discovery+. Plus. As always, thanks so much for listening and make sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcast so you do not miss a single thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to rate and review. We do love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday.